this morning I'm, <laughs> I might get in your face this morning. And I might, I, I, I might really rock the boat this morning. And if I leave the platform and run around the room, it's because I can't contain what's going on inside of me yet. 24 hours ago, maybe a week ago, I was in the same desperation for different circumstances where he was. I was feeling the same futility. And when Sean said, when others are praising, I, I literally, as, as a person, was in a place of pressure cooker that I didn't feel like praising. And I didn't feel like praying. Yet I, I did it because within me, the, the, the development of over the years, I know that you can't blame God ever. You can blame other circumstances, but you can never blame God because God is true to His Word. And I, it kept on, kept on, kept on. But I could feel something was shifting. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing it's a new season. It's a new season. It's a new season. And in the midst of the really depressing pressure on my life, I was getting messages that were like, not just casual happenstance messages, they were like, I have to move in two months. And it was like, Lord, where are we going to go? Because they've sold the house, or they're selling the house. I was like, Lord, where am I going to go? And then all of a sudden, somebody would send me a message that has no idea what's going on. And in it are the words, God will give you a new home. God will provide a dwelling in the message. Like, I just asked a question and my phone bleeps and there's an answer to the question. Got questions about getting old. And, you know, like, I don't want to go on pension. I'm, I'm, I'm refiring, not retiring. And... But some days, age creeps up on you and knocks on the door and you get out of bed and you feel your knees are buckling. You feel that, that things are not in place where they should be at, at 66. You're going, Lord, I don't want to get old yet. But it feels like some days your body creeps up on you and tries to remind you. <laughs> you won't understand that until you get here. And somebody sends me a scripture about God will be with you till in your old age. And even when your hair is turning gray, I will not leave you. Like on the day that I am the most depressed and the most, what? You get depressed? Yes! Please, for heaven's sake, understand, we're all human, we're all, we're all frail, we all have our issues. And, and Paul talks about being pressed down, but not, you know, not broken, you know, and, and, and those things. We go through that stuff, but God stays faithful. And in the midst of it, there's been, a, there's been this thing that's been coming for weeks now, for weeks now. It's, the season is changing. The season is changing. The season is changing. The season is changing. And in the midst of it, I'm, I'm preaching to you and get up on the platform. And it's, I love being here. You know why I love being here? That when you stand on the platform and you're preaching, the anointing hits you. And you can be sick, you can be depressed, you can be in the worst place possible in your life, but when you get up and start preaching, what happens? All of a sudden, the anointing hits you, and you're feeling good, you're feeling strong, and you, you're able to encourage because God comes upon you. 
And so in the midst of that, there's like this thing preaching. The season is changing. The season is changing. The season is changing. And I stood and I said to you, summer's coming. Not the Game of Thrones, winter's coming. Summer's coming. In the natural, the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, as long as the earth remains, because God created it that way. And man cannot stick his finger in God's face and tell God it's going to work differently. <sighs> Sorry, I nearly cursed right now. And I'll tell you why as I go along this morning, why I'm so in the face of controversy and controversial and, 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 and conspiracy. I'm sick to death of listening to conspiracy theories on my phone because it leaves God out of the picture and God is still on the throne. If they tell you about the Illuminati, phew. If they tell you about Bill Gates, phew. Stop it. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who are sending it to you. Throw it out. Push cancel. God is still on the throne. It's not time to listen to conspiracy. It's time to pray. It's time to get into your prayer closet and start calling on the name of God and start speaking His name. You'll see a change. Sorry. It's just the way I feel. I've got, I've got to do something to get into this thing so that we can all start getting out of this thing. And so slowly but surely, there's been this, like pushing against this huge steamroller, and you can't move it, and you can't move it, and you can't move it, and then all of a sudden, something starts to give. And as it starts to give, it starts to roll, and it starts to roll, and the more momentum it gets, the more it picks up. And so I get this this picture from my friend, and I told you about it last week. I get this picture from my friend. He's sitting in his house, and his house looks out on a, on a, um, a reserve. They stay in a beautiful place in Strace by the pastor from there. And he sends me a picture of a little red um, falcon, a Roy Falky. Young one sitting on the railing of the balcony eating a mouse. Not far as far as Sean is from me, sitting there just looking at them, unperturbed. And he sends me three pictures and I said, oh, this is beautiful. And for a while it was just that. It was just a picture. He didn't send it with a message. He didn't send it in the spirit. He just sent me a picture. And then all of a sudden, God started to prophesy. And he said, the eagle is significant and you are eagles. And you're going to soar above the storm. You're going to rise up above the circumstance. You are going to soar in a new season. The Bassons have always had a seasonal change in August, September, October, always. Every year, something. And when seasons change, sometimes it's uncomfortable. 
Sometimes your comfort zone gets shaken up and your nest gets unfeathered so that you will fly to new heights, that you leave where you've been comfortable at because to stay comfortable is not growth. To stay in your same place is not growth and you're just sitting there. And he sends me this thing. I send it back to him and I say, you know, it's time to soar. And then all of a sudden it started to happen. Like from all over, eagle messages, eagle messages, eagle messages. Sean preaches it. Someone else says it. There's like this thing. He talks about those that wait upon the Lord. I get a gift, a belated gift, a birthday gift. Thanks, Alman. I get a belated birthday gift yesterday at the funeral. A chocolate and a bookmark. And the bookmark says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. I'm not going to testify about everything this morning, but I can tell you this, that within 24 hours, my situation started to change yesterday on a Saturday of all days. And last night at 10.30, still doing stuff with the message for today, my phone rings to people who are in another place in Johannesburg, and they speak to me and my wife, and everything goes to another level of change and of breakthrough and of provision. And I'm testifying from a position of strength, but I want to tell you I wasn't there 24 hours before that. I wasn't there a week before that. In fact, I was at the lowest ebb of where I've ever been, and I didn't show it to you, and I tried not to show it to you. Those who know me very well knew there's like something about in 24 hours, in the midst of a Saturday night, God changed it. And it all started at the foot of that cross Three Fridays ago in the prayer meeting, when we pray from 12 to 2, I was sitting there complaining and moaning about my situation to God. And God said, stop moaning and complaining. Start praying. And this is what he said. Start praying for your partners. I know I testified about it in the service a couple of weeks ago. He said, start praying for your partners. Anybody that ever invested anything in you. And I'm starting to go through the list and God says, not just the big money. Because there have been some people that have been really kind to me over the years that gave me really big gifts. He said, not just for those people who don't include themselves or look upon themselves as partners. They were just moved by the Spirit for once-off. He said, not just those people, but down to the 10 rand, down to the 5 rand, down to the cent, down to those who can't give, those who pray for you but would like to give. Go to the partnering of prayer. Go to the partnering of compassion. Go to the partnering of, of unison and oneness. Go to the partnering of anything you can find, but pray for people. In fact, he said, pray for your enemies. He said, speak a blessing on them. He said, do whatever you have to do, but pray for people. And as I started to pray, something shifted. The minute I took my eyes off of my situation and put it on other people's and started to pray for them, something started to move. Something started to shift. And the season started to change. I would even like to go as far as say it started to change prematurely. 
Before it really changed, it was changing. And, and, and I, I, I started to see something, and then on Wednesday night, if you don't watch Wednesday nights, you're missing something. On Wednesday night, we were here, and I'm normally the fiery one. I'm, I come out of a brothers and sisters today, yeah, if you hear the word of the, you know, I come from the spit and the flying and the Sean's much more reserved. On Wednesday night, the roles changed and he just took off. Woohoo! Man, he was flying. And the anointing hit him and he was praying and something happened. And he was praying. And in the midst of it, he said something. The word he shared before the prayer. John 14, John 17. I and the Father are one. But you are one with us. He said, it's not about the whole church coming together on one football field together in unison. I want you to listen to me this morning. Prayer days are good. Getting in and unified prayer is good. But we miss the point of it. One man praying all on his own can change a nation. A unified prayer is good, but constant prayer from within your life is even better because we are one with the Father. Do you realize what I'm saying to you today? That God the Creator, God the Almighty, God the All-Knowing, God the Omnipotent, God the Biggest, being that there is, decided he wanted to make his home on the inside of you, you to become his dwelling place, you to become his temple. And when you start to pray from that position of unison, something starts to turn. And I want to tell you this morning, all the unified prayers are good, but you know what? One man in relationship with God praying in one moment can move everything. I've been in two great revivals, but I want to tell you, you go and make a study of revivals as far as history can go, and this is what you will find. In every single great revival, you will find a praying man or a praying woman that had a prayer room that was dedicated to the presence of God, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and the heavens and earth shifted, and revival came because of their prayers. Now, I can shout and scream and go to Kira this morning, but unless you come to the place where you actually start to experience what prayer can do, hear me. I've been saved for well over 35 years. And I'm telling you now that in the majority, I tell you with tears, in the majority of those 35 years, I was not a good prayer. Prayer and me had this problem. I wanted God in the same room as me physically, in physicality. I wanted to see God. I wanted a person to talk to because I'm a people person. And it always seemed that God was on a distant planet somewhere in the distance in Hallelujah Boulevard and, and, and Third Heaven Street somewhere. God is not in a geographical place called heaven. Heaven is a position in the spirit. It's a higher than height, not 
it's not a higher than by height it's a higher by realm the realm of heaven is all right around you the spiritual realm is everywhere and most importantly it's right on the inside of you and all of a sudden over the last couple of years prayer has started to mean something different to me here in the late time of my life, prayer has suddenly changed from a wada 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 to something that is powerful. And I'm going to give you a secret this morning. I'm going to tell you where the secret starts. The secret starts that God, do not seek God outside. Do not seek a voice from heaven that's going to shake you up like thunder and lightning. Stop looking for God on the outside. It's not outside. It's not on top. It's inside. Looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus is not on a cross on the external. That gives you the picture where it was done. Looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus, the author and finisher is looking inwardly into the holy of holies that's on the inside of you. It all flows from inside. For out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You need to meditate and you need to pray and you need to focus on this huge God that's come to stay on the inside of you. He was one with Christ. He was, believes in Christ, who is Christ's child. He's one spirit with him. Like a woman and a man, like a man leaving his mother, his mother and father and cleaving to his wife, and they become one flesh. He who becomes the child of God is one spirit with him. Let that sink in you this morning. One spirit with him. He's actually there waiting for you to communicate from the inside. I, I, I can't get to the subject. The subject's used and I should have been there already and I'm still in the intro. Here's the thing. So Sean says on Wednesday, he talks about John 17 and he says, the spiritual man, the spiritual man, the spiritual man. Listen, the spiritual man. You can either be carnal or you can be spiritual. He talks about the spirit man and the spirit man is the real you. It's who he is on the inside of you. And something like boom ignited on the inside of me. If I just talk, is it okay? I've got, I've got pages full of scriptures, but I just feel I need to share some stuff. There are guys all over the world that are trying to find mysticism in all strange places. Oh, to be a mystical Christian is like the end thing. You know, mix Hindu and Buddha and all kinds of stuff up and find a crazy Jesus. All these crazy mystical guys leaving the basis of who they are, looking for some kind of mysticism. The greatest mystery that can ever be found is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
The greatest mysticism is that Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh, and we saw God in the flesh. And then God in the flesh went to the cross and died for your sins and my sins and became the ultimate prayer offering. How do you understand that, brother? It's not understood in the natural. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. But when you start to believe, simply believe, A man with an opinion, turn it around, this is how it goes. A man with a spiritual experience is never at the, 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 the mercy or under the threat of the man in the natural with an opinion. You can tell me everything you want to tell me about tongues out of your opinion. You're never going to tell me anything because I have an experience. You can tell me everything you want to tell me about healing from your opinion. You can't tell me nothing because I have an experience, both internally and laying on of hands externally. I've seen it. I've felt it. I know it exists. You can tell me anything you want about being born again. You can have all your kinds of opinions, but you can't tell me nothing because I have an experience. You getting what I'm saying? When you get that experience, something happens in the spirit realm. Now I don't try and explain to you about baptism. I know it. I don't try and explain communion to you because I know it's his body and I know it's his blood. I don't try and explain to you rebirth because I know it. Then that thing takes place by belief. And that childlike faith comes. I don't have to explain to myself how it works. I just know it. There's a childlike thing that takes place on the inside of a believer. He knows that he knows that he knows in his knower. He's a child of God, and God dwells on the inside of him. You just know it. I've got two phone calls, one Sean, one me, from two brothers. After something like 25 years, we baptized the mom, the dad, and the elder brother years ago. The one brother phones me, the other brother phones Sean, said, we have to be baptized. Nobody preached it, nobody told it. Suddenly, the Spirit came upon them and said, it's now the time. Me, my wife, we're baptizing and we're dedicating our child. And it's like there's three or four of those occasions like right over the last couple of weeks. There's a power house in prayer but it does not work with a logical explanation you have to believe like a child and you have to start praying if you want to do yourself a favor if you if you're hungry enough if you're thirsty enough for a change in your life like when you first became born again and you started seeking scriptures for being baptized in the spirit or being baptized in water and you did a study and you went into the Word. I challenge you this morning to go and take. I can keep you busy. I've got them all here. But I challenge you to just go. 
and type in the word prayer into your concordance on your phone in the New Testament. And you can do it for the whole Bible, but it's going to take you a long time because prayer is intricately connected in everything that goes on. But take it in the New Testament, and you know what? I'm going to help you. Jesus taught them how to pray. They said, we see John's guys praying. We want to know how to pray. I'll teach you how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Go and look at the amount of times Jesus took them away to a quiet place and put them on a mountain and said, come, let us go one side and pray. Jesus took three people, James, John, and Peter, up onto a high mountain, and as he prayed, he transfigured in front of them on the mounts of transfiguration. Elijah and Moses appeared on that occasion, and he started to change. His outer raiment, his outer experience became glorified as he prayed. On the night in which he was betrayed, before they go to Gethsemane, he prays for the church in John 17, some of the powerful, most powerful prayers. And then in Gethsemane, while facing the greatest challenge of his life, to go to the cross and die as a man, he prays, he prays, he prays. Then we go to the book of Acts, and they're all together in the upper room, and we find them praying in Acts 1. And they pray to God to show them who must replace Judas. And then we go further, and we find Peter and John on the hour of prayer, that's three in the afternoon, on the way to pray, find a man sitting at the gate beautiful, and they heal him. When they threaten to stop healing and preaching in the name, they go into the, the inside of their, their closet. I believe they were praying. It doesn't say it in words, but I believe they were praying when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts 2. They were in the upper room praying. They were waiting on the Lord. They were renewing their strength. They were mounting with wings as eagles. And the Spirit fell. Then when they were threatened, they go back into that inner room and God shakes the place as He did in the first op uh, opportunity. And if you go to the book of Acts, that's what you'll find. You'll find them constantly in communication, in intimate conversation with... What? Yes! The huge God of creation wants to spend intimate time of conversation in relationship with who? With you. What? Yes. Can I just pause, push the pause button? Just pause for a moment. Just let me give you an ad break. Somebody sent me, and I know I spat on the stage and I upset you. Forgive me. Send me an ad break. I, they send me a thing, and it's an interesting thing. It's about a doctor who took care of heads of state all over the world. She has done for many years. And an investigative journalist sits down with her, and they start talking. And there's a group of high people somewhere in the world that believe there are too many oxygen-stealing people on the earth and they need to cull the human race and they need to depopulate the earth. 
And so they set a plan in motion in this video 10, 15 years ago to bring a pandemic on the earth to depopulate the earth. And this is a top doctor that looks after, and she's sitting talking to a head of state, and this woman says it's almost time for the culling to begin. And she's got proof about the fact that they want to depopulize the earth. And I'm listening to this, and all I can hear is this. Yella arme, arme, can I get say, van die platform, vergewe my, yella arme sotte. You stupid, stupid idiots. You leaving God of creation who owns this world out of your equation? Are you totally crazy? Have you left the planet? Do they think they can overcome God? <laughs> you, you can actually feel the question mark there. Some of you are sitting going, mm, maybe, maybe not. You were sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. That means nothing that you put in your body or outside of your body can take you out of Christ because you are already sealed. Never mind 666 and 666 and ach, man. There's a mark in your forehead. There's a mark on your hand. You're in Christ. You, you, you grafted and tattooed into his hand palms. There's nothing going to separate you from God. It's him who reigns and rules. Stop. But that God desired to sit on the inside of you and have relationship and work through you in communication and intimacy. And then you go and you find praise. Man. Okay, quickly, I've got, I've got seven minutes. You're going to give me seven minutes? So I'm a young youth pastor in my first church. I'm, 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 I have the privilege of being a youth pastor of one of the giants of that Pentecostal movement. In the Second World War, his, 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 his troop-carrying troop boat was sunk by a U-boat, and he spent three days in the deep like Paul, surrounded by sharks eating his friends, and they're sitting there, and on the third day in, in, in the water, a battleship comes over the horizon, and the first thing he sees as he's praying from his sinful state, saying, God, I should have listened to my mom, my praying mother, my believing father, my grandparents. I should have listened. Please save me. And as he's looking at the, the, the ocean, out of a swell comes the mast, the radio mast on a battleship, and all he can see rising above the swell is a white cross. And he writes a book in later years, Saved from the Deep. And I have the privilege of being this man's youth pastor, youth leader at that stage, not even a pastor. And he gets out of the car and there's a good servant, I want to go and serve him and I, I run towards him and I want to take his case. And as I say to him, when Peter can I your task, right? I realize I can't stand in front of him. I have to stand to the side. Because as he greets me in, in, in love, 
There was nothing aggressive about his greeting. More a young man. But it came out of someone who just stepped out of the presence, in the presence, out of the presence of his prayer room, but carrying the one who he'd been praying to in him. He looks up and his eyes are broken. Like a dead man. He has no pupils. It's just two blue orbs. And I look at him, it's like looking at an angel. I step out of the way and I go, oh my God, what did I just see? I dropped my gaze. I, I had the fear, the honor, the, the awe for God. Not fear of being devoured, but fear of God and His presence and His holiness. And I take his case and I walk with him into the prayer room and I become aware. These men never shared their secret. There was their only shortcoming. They never shared the secret of what we saw on the platform and we saw when they laid hands on people and the people fell down and got baptized in the Spirit and healed. He didn't share that. That was their mistake. They didn't share their intimacy. They didn't share the fact that they'd spent time with Jesus. Later years, I met other men that spent that kind of time, felt that kind of atmosphere. You are a spiritual being in a spiritual relationship. And we're living in a time that we're going to experience it as a corporate body. What are we going to experience, Dave? Like Paul being knocked down by the sunlight, lying in the dust of the dusty road on the way to Damascus. And he writes in the book of Corinthians, he said, I knew a man, whether he was in the spirit or whether in the flesh, I do not know. But such a one was caught up into the third heaven and heard words that are unlawful to speak. Talking about himself, knocked down in the road, hearing the voice of Jesus in a light brighter than sunshine that he repeats over and over in the book of Acts. Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick it. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus that you are persecuting. Life changed forever in an encounter. A John on the Isle of Patmos. Legend has it burnt in oil, left to die on Patmos. He said, and I was on the, in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice behind me, and I saw a door open in heaven, and I was called up higher. It's time. It's time for the praying church. Inside of you is the generating creative force that you still have to scratch the surface of. I still have to scratch the surface of life changing, government changing, creation making, changing the creature and the creation back to as God intended it from the beginning. The whole earth is crying out for the appearance and the manifestation of the suns. It's all in the incubator that's in the spirit on the inside, the unison of the spiritual man that is connected to God. It's all there. It's all there. And Friday afternoon, sitting on the front row, all of a sudden praying and suddenly out of nowhere, the suddenly of God just steps into the room and I said, whoa, he's here. It's here. In that moment, I could feel the absolute presence of God in the place. 
hell if I'm making any sense at all. But I've got to try and transmit to you that you're in a different season. And the season has changed and you're destined to go up higher into greater and more wonderful things than you've ever seen before. But it's going to take some of a commitment to pray, to find Him in the preciousness of relationship. Can I close this way? I, 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 I was supposed to start this way. I got lost somewhere. I'm, I apologize. Soren Klerkengaard, whoever he is, says, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know someone. David Platt. Prayer is not the enhancement of our comforts. Sean Besson. No, okay, exactly as he said it this morning. Prayer is not the enhancement of our comforts, but for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. The great charity of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Can I say that again? The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. James says this. This, this is F.B. Mayer. James says this. He says, you have not because you ask not. I'm not going to speak to you. I'm just going to speak to Dave. None can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect. But those who have learned it by experience... It is a great matter when in extreme need to take hold on prayer. Martin Luther. If one thing that COVID has done, it's caused the people to pray again. And as they're praying again, hope, the constant expectancy of good that Sean spoke about in the offering is rising up in faith in men and women of God and they're taking hold of something great. Alexander Dumas. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did I say that? For the happy man, prayer is only a jumble of words. Until the day when sorrow comes, to explain to him the sublime language by means of which he speaks to God. Alexander Dumas. I wish I'd read it to you in the format that I had, but you can go and look. The entire New Testament is filled with men like Paul and Jesus saying to you, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray for one another. In fact, I can make it very easy for you. You can start in Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians. And you can go through every letter. Paul says this. He says, as often as I remember you, in my prayers. He said, I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. And that's why you find a culture that does nothing else but pray first. Before they do anything, they're sending disciples out. Come here. 
Lay hands on them. Pray. We need to find someone to do this. Come here. Lay their hands on them. Pray. We need workers, Lord. Pray. We need provision, Lord. Pray. We need to break through, Lord. Pray. You find a culture of powerhouse, of prayer within the children of God. And as they pray, mountains move. Nations change. Governments fall. Others are put up. Things happen because, not because they rule. Not because they reign, not because they elected president, not because they sit in government, but because there are a group of people who are praying, 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 praying until everything that's not right is put right and everything that's not right falls and the right comes to stand. It's time for prayer. And so this week, as we go into prayer, Praise and worship in worship week. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, sitting in the innermost confines of prison, in desperation with their backs beaten open, not in comfort, probably cold and wet and miserable, but because of a habitual lifestyle of intimacy with God. Not because they just invented it, but because they're so used to doing it. They know this is where I find my strength. This is how I fight my battle. This is when it happens. They start to pray and worship at midnight. And it says the prison heard them. And all God heard was he reached out with his finger and he touched the prison. The doors fell off. The chains fell off. Everything fell apart. And the prison God said, I've lost everybody here. I may as well commit suicide. And the word of knowledge comes from the innermost prison. Paul says, do no harm to yourself. We're all still here. And in that night, the prisoner is saved and his entire family and they baptized. Won't you stand with me? The powerhouse of prayer has come to this church. We've been praying and praying and praying and the steamroller has started to shift but now it's gaining momentum and revival is coming. Revival is here. It's a new season. Those that entwine themselves with the Lord, those that wait upon Him, will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Oh God! For a praying people. For a praying people. Father, I pray for this church this morning. I pray for every man and every woman that are standing here in front of me. I pray for them, Lord. I know that there's some desperate people right here, right now. I know that there's some people that feel destitute in their faith. I know that there's some of them that feel so disheartened and discouraged, they don't even want to open their mouth. I know, Lord, because you know it and you showed it to me and I felt it too. But I know that you're an answer of prayer. You, you answer prayer. And I pray for these people now for supernatural miracles. I pray for these people for a, transpo, a, 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 a transition and a transformation in their life that is so radical, Father, that when they look around, they will say to people, you don't understand the type of miracle that happened to me. You don't know the suddenly that happened. In the middle of the night, God answered my prayer. In the middle of the day, when I least expected it, God answered my prayer. When I was weak, He answered my prayer. When my faith was failing, He answered 
answered my prayer. When I had nothing left to say, he answered my prayer. He suddenly appeared in the greatness of his glory and answered my prayer. Father, thank you that you strengthen them this morning, that you break them through, that they feel it, that they feel it, that they see it, that they experience it from the inside out. The Christ man on the inside of every one of them in Jesus' name. And it's raining again. <laughs> Say amen. amen. Say thank you, Lord, for the rain. <laughs> Look at your brother to the left of you and your son to the right of you and somebody say, Jesus loves you. Look at somebody and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. You're blessed.